The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In the final moments of the city, allow your knowing, your knowing to go further out. Here, feel your hands wherever they sit, where they rest. Feel the breath. Begin to get ready. Hello, my name is Maria Strotman, and I'm sitting in for Andrea tonight. She is away, and I don't often get to come on Thursday nights, so it's a pleasure being here. When I was contemplating what I would talk about tonight, what I wanted to have you think about, I noticed there was something on my desk. And I picked it up and I recalled a moment a couple of years ago on retreat when I'd been sitting for a week or so. So I was pretty calm, pretty relaxed. And suddenly I became aware of the emptiness in my hand. It was empty. It just felt so empty. And I looked at the hand and I said, why am, what am I noticing? Why, why am I so aware of this emptiness in my hand? What is it? So, so I invite you to hold your hand out in front of you, palm up, and just look at it. And ask yourself when you see it, what do you see? What do you feel? What is empty? How do you know emptiness? You know, somehow emptiness seems to imply loss or absence of. There's an absence of here. But there's also something else in this in this palm that's up. There is possibility and there is unknowing and there is uncertainty because I don't know. I don't know what this empty feeling is about. I can touch, I can touch my palm. I can feel it. And what do I feel? I can see, I can see creases. I can see lines. I can see shininess. I can feel warmth. So touch is there, and visually I know there's something there. But the emptiness means that there's not something solid in the middle of it. There's not something I can grab onto. It's, it's empty. 
It's just there for something to arrive at. And when I look at that hand, it recalls to me practice. This is what practice is like. This is how we show up to every moment. We don't really know what's going to happen. We think we do. So this hand also has a certain amount of expectation in it. I'm, I'm expecting something. Something is going to arrive in this hand. It's only empty because it's waiting to be filled. And that it's waiting to be filled by my expectations or my desires. I'm looking at my practice and saying, ah, Soon, I'm going to be the equanimous person I've always wanted to be. Or soon, I'm going to be able to get into a jhana state where I know I'm going to become that person who really conquers concentration. And, and we want, we're waiting. You know, there's, a, there's a waiting to emptiness. Today, I was um, at a clinic, and I left something behind. And they called me. And said, oh, you were here. Did you lose this? And I said, yes, I'll come back and get it. So I arrived back. And they told me, just go to this desk. And I went to the desk. And there was nobody there. I hung around for a while. Nobody there. Nobody there. So then I went over to the check-in counter and found the person who had called me. And I said, so the, the desk. And they said, oh, yes, wait at the desk. And I said, well, there's no one there. Oh, well, they just stepped away. So I waited another five minutes or so. And then I became aware of this waiting, waiting and not knowing whether anybody was ever going to show up. Nobody was at that desk the first time I was there. And I became aware not only of the impatience of waiting, but wondering, does anybody actually sit at that desk? The person who I talked to that said go there was actually in another room. He couldn't see the desk. There was no guarantee that someone would be at that desk. And I watched the mind form all of these illusions and and important distinctions and wondering and felt that wondering and felt the impatience growing with the wondering. And then I said, it's just waiting. And all of a sudden, there was an opening up of of just a little bit of space. I said, oh, I'm just waiting. Okay, I'm just waiting. Five minutes later, (laughs) nobody had shown up at the desk. So I went back to the person and said, so any idea? Are they on break? (laughs) So he called and got somebody to come. And I eventually got what I was waiting for. But the person sitting at that desk never came. The person who was supposed to be sitting at that desk never came. Or maybe nobody ever sat at that desk. <laughs> that uncertainty, that, that waiting for something that you expect, causes a great deal of agitation, irritation, unhappiness. Generally, we call these things suffering. And when we can just say, waiting, it's It's empty of goal. It's empty of conclusion. It's empty of whatever I seem to be expecting. It's just waiting. It's just an open hand.
it's a hand that is not so expectant as curious. What's going to happen? What's going to, what's going to be this moment? What's going to be the attitude of this moment? What's going to be the outcome of this moment? No, what is this moment? I'm not even reaching into the future. I'm just empty. It's just empty. It's just there. I can notice the energetics of an open hand. Is it tense? Is it, is it expansive and open? How close am I to this? The moment can, be, can have all of those expectations also, or all of those features, all, all of those faculties. It's just, it's just there. It's just open. It just has nothing in it. And I notice I'm more comfortable when I have something in it. Yes, yes, there's something reassuring about something that I can grab. You know? I can grab a, a piece of something. I can hold it in my hand. Oh, it's comforting. It's familiar. I know what this is. I'm not waiting for anything anymore. This is a stone. And it's you know, a certain type of stone. It's smooth. And oh, yeah, that's comforting. I know what it is. But I don't know what's going to happen next. In practice, looking for what makes us comfortable is trying to control what's in that empty hand. It's saying, oh, I'm, if, I just, if I just do this long enough, then this is what's going to happen. Maybe, or maybe nobody ever sits at the desk. Maybe that's not what it looks like, whatever's going to happen. Sometimes we look at, we, you look at an open hand, and it, it, it's like a supplicant's hand, right? So we hold our hands out, and we say, give me, can I have? I'm waiting for this. Yes, you can hand that to me. There's this, there's this uh, waiting to be for someone to give us something. And we do that with our practice also. We wait for the practice to give us something. Well, if I just keep at it, then I know what it's going to look like. But in fact, Dharma practice is seeing what happens, not having something happen. It doesn't actually have that goal. It doesn't have that place. When, when we're looking at our practices, well, I'm just waiting for this to happen. It's a process of measuring it somehow. But really, mindfulness is just noticing what arises not what we want to arise, even with the breath. When we're, when we're breathing, when we're following the breath, it's this breath, this breath. This breath is not that breath or yesterday's breath or tomorrow's breath. It's what's happening now. This is engaging in life. The practice of mindfulness is being here for this life, for being not thinking about what I'm developing or or planning for the future, but what's happening now? What can I see about now? When you look at the hand, it has some features to it. You know, there's the palm, there's the, the resting place, and then there are these fingers. 
And these fingers can be grasping fingers. They can be pushing fingers. They can be vulnerable. You know, the palm, when we put the palm up, the palm of the hand is very sensitive, much more sensitive than the back of the hand. That's because we have to grasp things. You know, we have to be able to pick something up. Now, I've gotten in the habit of picking things up with my right hand because my left thumb had a, a nerve severed in it. So it's not as, and although it's been repaired, it's not very good. And so I'll often pick something up and drop it because it's just not sensitive enough. It doesn't, it doesn't know how much pressure I'm putting on it. Part of what we do with practice is develop our sensitivity to what's happening. Our sensitivity to knowing what's going on, our ability to see clearly what's going on. The empty hand is really about offering to receive whatever arises. It isn't the grasping, it is the opening, the opening to whatever is happening. It's a measure of opportunity and not accomplishment. What is, the, what is it that I can see? What needs to be seen right now? What, what, what do I need to notice? And sometimes that question is much more important than whatever answer you come up with. It's the process of just being engaged in and not looking for something, not looking for something to be something, not looking for ourselves to be something. But who is this person showing up in this moment? Who is this person divorcing ourselves from the story, the continuing story of our lives, but just resting in the, this is what it's like to be this person in this moment. So I just muted myself because this is what it's like to be someone who's still clearing her lungs of the cold she had last week. This is what it's like. This is this person in this moment. There's one of, one of my favorite stories is about uh, a Zen master who had a student come to see him. And the, the student came and he was going to serve him tea. The, the master was going to serve the student tea. And the, the, he said, well, so tell me why you're here. What is your interest? Why did you come to this monastery? And he proceeded to tell him all the people he'd studied with, the great masters and all the things he had learned and all of the things that he had experienced. And uh, what can you teach me? And the master proceeded to pour him tea. And he hummed softly pouring the tea. And finally, the student says, uh, you know that the cup is overflowing, don't you? And he said, ah, so you noticed. When the cup is too full, you can't put anything in it. That also shows up in my empty hand. It isn't so much what I know or how I have arrived here or what I have done or who is my teacher but what can I learn in this moment? What can I, what is, what is it now that I need to see? Not what do I already know? Not how bright and brilliant and 
liberated I am, but what is it now that I need to see? That's the reassurance of practice, that just go here. And that brings up the issue of vulnerability again, because, you know, the familiar is always easier, right? If it's familiar, then I know how to be. I don't have to recreate myself in the moment. I can just, okay, this is familiar. And when it's unfamiliar, well, that's a little less safe, isn't it? The goal of practice is really to be able to come into this moment and trust the moment. Trust the moment. Uh huh. <laughs> Which, of course, starts with trusting us, trusting ourselves, trusting that I can show up in this moment and that this person, with all of her flaws and weirdnesses, can come to this moment and just experience this moment and not require it to be other than it is. And the beauty of that is if I can do that, if I can require this moment not to be other than it is, I can do that for myself. I can require myself not to be other than I am in this moment. I don't have to be the person I used to be. I don't have to be the person I think it would be ideal to be. I can just be this person experiencing what I'm experiencing in this moment. That's freedom. That's what the open hand does. The open hand says, here I am, life. The way I am now, in these conditions, and I can't possibly know all the conditions that are here, But if I'm willing to just show up for this moment, then maybe I don't have to be better than I am. Maybe I don't have to be all of this other stuff that seems like it's desirable. Maybe I don't have to go to this place. Maybe I can just be here. Maybe I can trust this moment to unfold without a catastrophe. Maybe I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, this week, uh, there's a fire in California, right? There's a big fire in Amador County. And my daughter's house is about a half mile from the edge of that fire. And they're in, uh, the house is in an evacuation zone. And, um, the uncertainty that arises out of wondering, is the fire going to go that way or is it going to go that way? Are the firemen going to be able to build the brakes such that it doesn't burn? And then you begin, there, there was all this talk the other night about how good is the insurance? And, you know, we're already going to the insurance company and the house hasn't burned and the fire isn't there. And there's bemoaning the fact that you can't get insurance in that area and, and all of the concerns that come up and there's all this sturm and drang and, and oh, okay, so now we have to see what's going to happen. And just a moment of, okay, we'll just see, is a moment of relaxation you don't want to miss. It's a moment of 
ease that you want to register. You want to be able to say, okay, we'll see. And then all the concerns come back again and you say, okay, okay, this is what it's like to be in this condition where I feel stressed by this. How do I know I'm feeling stressed? Well, I'm anxious. I'm twittery. I'm, my heart's racing. Oh, the heart's racing, really? Well, well, no, 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 it's not really racing. That's my mental construct of what it would mean to be anxious. But I'm unsure. I can't trust the outcome of this fire. I, I, can't, I can't control the fire. So I notice I can't control. Well, of course I can't control the fire. And for a moment, I realize I can't control the fire. And I am free of trying to control the fire for just a moment. And each of those moments counts as living life, just as all the moments of catastrophe count as living life. But how we choose to emphasize one over the other has to do with whether we are holding an empty hand or one that is tightly closed or manipulating and pushing and drawing and reshaping The empty hand just says, this is what's happening. Not what's going to happen. This is what's happening. It's not a crisis before it's a crisis. When I was in my 20s, I had a good friend that was moving away. And for the two weeks before he was leaving, I was insisting on all of these events to say goodbye at, right? And finally he said, would you stop it? Would you stop saying goodbye before I leave? I'm still here. And I've never forgotten that. And every time I find myself leaping forward to what I know is going to be the outcome, I remind myself, would you stop leaving before you leave? Stop saying goodbye before I'm gone? And that person, you know, 50 years later is still one of my best friends. Nothing was actually lost. When we hold something with an open hand, with an empty hand, we can be aware of the potential for filling it or we can be aware of the lack of something, the absence of something. The empty hand is one that doesn't anticipate what's going to fill it. The empty hand is just empty. When we meet the moment with a preconceived idea, the moment almost never measures up for one reason or another. Maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. But knowing the outcome without the capacity to actually know the outcome is a fool's errand. 
It is the place where we get stuck. It's a place where I get stuck. You know, as soon as I say, oh, this is, this is so terrible. You know, the, um, I don't know how many of you have gotten COVID over the last two years. I just got my first cold in two years. It seems gigantic. It's just a cold. (laughs) It seems so huge because it has become unfamiliar. Gratefully, I haven't yet got COVID. And all of the, the preparations one makes to protect oneself are important. And then you wait and see what happens. Just as we know that we're not absolutely protected by all of the protected things that we do around COVID, it's also not inevitable that we will get COVID. It's just a big presence in our lives that didn't used to be. has created all manner of changes, leaves us all a little bit uncertain. And just when we feel like it's safe, suddenly it just doesn't seem as safe. Certainly not around here. And then you say, but my goal is to just live life. And that means experiencing it just as it is, experiencing it with all the texture of life, with the joys of life and the gloom of life and all of the things I can point to that are not to my liking in the world. And I can say, given this, now what? Given this, now what? Given this with my open hands, given this in my life, now what? The world of our experience is created of a series of mind moments. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. We weave it together in this long story. This is the story of my life. But it's really a number of mind moments. You can calculate them. It goes on to billions. They're just moments, just moments, one after another. And it is our tendency to try to make meaning, to have something that we can put in our hands and say, I understand this. This This fits the story of my life. This is familiar that creates these expectations and the judgment and the self-criticism that leaves us feeling beleaguered. What we really want to do is arrive in this moment unencumbered with what we expect of this moment, unencumbered by the things that we're dragging along behind us from our experience. With an open hand, I can just feel nothing, the absence 
the emptiness of the moment. It doesn't have to have meaning. It's just there. Now, when this occurred to me on retreat, I talked to the teacher and I said, you know, I'm really aware of the emptiness of this hand. And rather than trying to figure it out, what, what does it mean? Why, why is this hand feeling empty? He said, do you want to hold something? I said, I think that would be nice. And he gave me something, gave me, let's see, I think I have it in my pocket. <clears throat> this little bronze depiction of the Buddha. And I put it there and it just fit. It just fit this little hollow in my palm. It was just the right size. And it just, I carried it for several days. And the function of it was just to remind me that practice would guide me with that open hand. That it was just, and after a while, I didn't need to hold it anymore. Didn't have the meaning that, that I was assigning to it. It was just, was just a place, a place of practice, a place that didn't need to be filled. The moment doesn't need to be filled. It's actually full. And all we need to do is make ourselves available to the moment. Just this person, this imperfect person, this person that has all of these strange experiences or unknown experiences or limited capacities. I accept this moment. I accept this. I'm okay. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. And then the response is whatever is appropriate to those conditions, not what's appropriate to, you know, person X who has those those characteristics, but this person in this moment. And sometimes arriving at that place where you just say, okay, it's like this, is the brightest easiest moment of every day. It's like this. Despite what I may wish, it's like this. Oh, it's like this. So now my response is whatever the next step is. I gather together my intentions and take the next step. It isn't about becoming anything manifesting anything it's about being open to this and seeing this as clearly as possible oh this oh i see this is what's happening all by itself this moment so that's what i have to share with you tonight and um I welcome any comments or questions you might have or observations you might have. Fred, excuse me, Fred, my voice really is giving out. 
Go ahead. Quite early in in your talk, one of the things that came to my mind is the play Waiting for Godot. <laughs> and uh, uh, that is when I saw it when I was a senior in high school. And uh, I, it's one of the most powerful plays that I've ever seen in terms of my awareness. And I've been, uh, I've been uh, just kind of investigating how that relates to what you've been talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's very rich, that area of investigation. Sort of, the, huh. the The emptiness represented by, oh, we're here, but, well, what are we going to do? Right. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. It is the not knowing and, and becoming not afraid of not knowing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that in that play, a sort of, but, but <laughs> the yeah. anticipation and the not knowing. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, he said he was going to meet us here. That, uh, that sense of anticipation or expectation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so. Yeah, so, so the expectation doesn't happen. So then what? Mm-hmm. It's always a, so then what? Oh, with these conditions, then what? Right? As opposed to, well, it should have happened. The insistence that it should still happen or will will happen. That the insistence on the expectation to see that how that driving that 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 insistence is a kind of craving, just as the insistence that there's only one right truth is a is a kind of craving, and it's, it's the insistence is saying, is not paying attention to, oh, this is how it is. Or you finally say, okay, it's not what I wanted, but this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's something. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to say or Ask. Okay, I'm going to read you a little poem, which I have a tendency to do. That is this particular poem I've read before, <laughs> but it just seems so right for me right now. It's but it's by uh, Jane Hirschfeld's book from her book After, and it's called The Promise. Mysteriously, they entered. Those few minutes, mysteriously they left, as if the great dog of confusion guarding my heart, who was always sleepless, suddenly slept. It was not any awakening of the large, not so much as that, only a stepping back from the petty. I gazed at the range of blue mountains. I drank from the stream, tossed in a small stone from the bank. 
whatever direction the fates of my life might travel, I trusted. Even the greedy direction, even the grieving, trusted. There was nothing left to be saved from bliss nor danger. The dog's tail wagged a little in his dream. I read it again, the promise. Mysteriously, they entered those few minutes. Mysteriously, they left. As if the great dog of confusion guarding my heart, who is always sleepless, suddenly slept. It was not any awakening of the large, not so much as that, only a stepping back from the petty. I gazed at the range of blue mountains. I drank from the stream, tossed in a small stone from the bank. Whatever direction the fates of my life might travel, I trusted. Even the greedy direction, even the grieving, trusted. There was nothing left to be saved from, bliss nor danger. The dog's tail wagged a little in his dream. I love the dog's tail. The big dog of confusion. We are only confused when we're unwilling to accept this is how it is. So I wish all of you the moments of clarity where you can see, oh, this is how it is. And you experience the joy of just saying, oh, thank you for your time. May you all be well. Good night. Thank you.